and Ed. Hello, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And welcome to the Lack of Focus podcast. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the newly rebranded Lack of Focus. I am Sean, and with me tonight is the uh, Emperor's Database Manager, Ed. Ed, how are you doing tonight? I am fantastic. And also with us is our absolute doing everything, but he is the Emperor's 3D printing manufacturer for the Empire. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Good, thanks, Sean. How's the weather on Mars at the old... Uh... <laughs> Minus 27 degrees Celsius, so I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but cold. Cold. Uh, the, the garage, um, where I've got everything set up, I had to get a propane heater, and I had that running today because it got down to 5 degrees in the garage, so... Yeah. yeah, that'll that'll get cold for sure. It's, we had uh, snow. We had physical snow on the ground today. Yeah. yeah. We we had an inch Friday, I think Friday or Saturday. We got an inch, about an inch here. And then it's already, for the most part, melted off, except for where people have walked, you know, where it turns to ice. So Sure. It's all, all good here. Um, well, for our show tonight, we're going to have an interesting conversation about what compels us to pick the armies and when we play miniature games what what we're what causes or compels us to pick the armies that we choose and the whys that we do it. So pretty simple topic, you know, should be a 30 45 minute show with that one, but you know, we'll two see hour, what happens. 2 hours we'll, of what we've been up to. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Um but with that said, Ed, what have you been up to this week in gaming or these two weeks in gaming? These two weeks in gaming. So I'm going to go on a bit of a Mass Effect kind of jaunt for just a moment. I do want to right at the very, very beginning. If you are a PlayStation fanboy like I am and you happen to have PlayStation Plus like I do and you happen to be listening to this before the first Tuesday in January 2023, I highly, highly, highly recommend snagging Mass Effect Legendary Edition. It is the free game of the month for the PS4 and PS5. Both of them are able to pull that down. It is stellar. I I had mentioned in the pregame show, um, my wife went down to Florida to go visit her mom, and I ended up having to stay home with the kids, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing, because it gave me a, basically a six-day vacation, and I sat down and I played the crap out of the Mass Effect trilogy. I've already played through one, two, and three and beat them. I didn't like the ending I got in three, so I replayed three, and now I'm going back and playing it as a complete and utter psychopath with the Renegade Path once again, because I wanted to do a female Shepherd to see what the things would what was different than the male shepherd and then i'm playing her as a complete and utter psycho and giving all of like i'm punching reporters it's great it's awesome i'm enjoying it um i i don't know how i missed this game and this is one of the games that the reason why i'm really enjoying going back to seventh generation because technically these are still in the seventh generation legendary edition gives you all of the dlc on top of it and they revamped the graphics which is all fantastic but still at its core it's still a seventh a seventh generation um either console game or pc games for either the xbox or for for ps3 um it's fantastic it reminds me of what bioware used to be able to do with 
gorgeous visuals. The story is so cool. The universe that they built around Mass Effect is amazing. Um, I didn't know a ton about the game going into it. I knew that there was some vitriol based on the ending, and having gone through that ending not once but twice, I get it. I can understand how if I had started playing the game in 2005 and I had to wait until or whatever, whatever it's 2000, 2001, whatever, whenever the game started, um, there was like a seven year span between one and three to have all of those decision trees that you have gone through and all the decisions you made in your playthrough of your character, of your shepherd, to have it boil down to an A, B or C ish kind of ending. I get it. So if you mix out the last 20 minutes of the game it's beautiful. It is a absolute masterpiece of a game. I am a little sad about the ending on that because I really wish there had been a lot more to it. Um, that is unfortunately a uh, a product of uh, a trend that I'm really, really getting sick of hearing in game uh, production for video game consoles or PC games of, well, we had to rush it out. We had to rush it out. We needed to get it out by XYZ date and just push it out and... They did a bunch of DLC to kind of help the ending, but ultimately, in the end, it still is what it is. Don't let that retract it from you. I've always been a journey is sometimes better than the destination, and that took me on a 100-hour journey with fantastic characters, fantastic story. The overarching universe that is built from there is amazing, so I can appreciate it for what it is. It's basically... It's a little bit of a cake stain on the Mona Lisa, as far as I'm concerned. Everything else around it is fantastic. It is absolutely a masterpiece. There is that little stain at the end. I don't personally feel that it ruined my experience when I got to the ending and realized what it was. So that, to me, like I said, yeah, it was disappointing. But overall, the overall experience is fantastic. Um, I even broke out. So, so that's my that's my Mass Effect thing. So that's what I had been doing. I spent a whole bunch of time playing through that and I'm playing through it again. Um, beyond that, I actually broke out paints. I actually put sisters on a table and I actually applied paint to models. So I finished up um, ten more of my sisters and I'm getting ready to. Now that we are in winter, I did say that we have snow flying. All of my sisters are primed. I'm hoping to get on a roll as we start getting into this Christmas break. Time. Time, and I have a lot more time away. Um, so those are my plans. Other than that, I've been stuck at work and I haven't been able to get to the game store, but that'll change here hopefully in January. That's it. That's all I've been doing. So Chris, if I were you, even just even if you have never intention in playing it, just go and get that for free. It's a, it's, I, it's. I don't know if I have PlayStation Plus, if I'm being 100% honest. I'll have to check. If you're playing online, like if you're playing Squadrons online and you were playing it, because the only way that you I was can play... playing it on Steam on the PC, oh, when Squadrons, so. maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, I probably had it at some point. I just don't know if I still have it. Those PlayStation Plus games for me are hit or miss. Um, to be honest with you, sometimes you get a really, really good game. Uh, this is the second time this has happened because I physically own a copy of Legendary Edition and I bought it two weeks before it became free from PlayStation Plus. I'm just recommending that for everyone else. This is the second time that PlayStation did that to me, where I went out and got a game and then two or three weeks later it became free. It's kind of annoying, but okay. So I still have my physical copy for that. Um, but to me, it's always just been worth it just for the free games that you get out of it. Even if I don't intend to play them, I always add them to my library if I ever decide to go back to them kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've I've done that kind of stuff in the past. It's just I don't know that I'll stick with... Um, I, I have enough subscriptions 
at the yeah. moment that I can live without PlayStation Plus. So. Well, if you intend to ever intend to get the game, it, I got it for like eight bucks. And I got it whenever I was trading in some other games, so it was basically free for me. So legitimately, it's been around long enough. It's over a year old. You should be fine. I, I already showed you my new game to play. So You did. You did. Are we going to roll into yours next, I guess? I don't know, Sean. It's your it's your ship. You're steering. Hey, well, Chris, uh, I guess we're going to move into your... <laughs> your uh, well, yeah, you know, we need to come up I... with a different name than Flight Deck, though. I think we said that joke every time for the last seven shows. Maybe, maybe we should call it like our play date period or something. Maybe. <laughs> you know. Um, yes, yeah, so I have uh, I ran some more um some more onslaught demos um at work. I missed all of 40k. I've not done any 40k since we last recorded. I haven't played I'm trying to think what I have played. I I've missed playing a bunch of things. Uh, I played some X-Wing, though. I definitely got X-Wing on the table. Oh, that's good. Uh, I, I got to use the new Siege of Coruscant um, cards in standard games. I got to play Siege of Coruscant as the uh, Separatists uh, defending the Invisible Hand. Anakin and Obi-Wan turned up, and Anakin was like, this is where the fun begins. And I was like, yeah, it does, fucker, and just murdered everyone. It was good. <laughs> um, yeah, the... Uh, uh, as a tip... If you're going to be the, uh, the Republic player playing Siege of Coruscant, don't just try and kill the droids because they just keep coming back. Um, I started, so it's, I think I get 25 points, whatever it was, I got eight ships. Um, so I had Dooku and the Sith Infiltrator and then seven other droids. I, I ended the game with eight ships. He'd killed all seven of my droids at least once, Ooh. but they just come back. And they come back with all of the charges recharged. So like, there's the hyena bomber that has got um, the DFS 404. Um, he's a, when you attack at range one, you have to roll an extra attack dice, but you also suffer a critical hit after you've done the attack. But he comes with an advanced proton torpedo. So range one, five dice, add another dice on top of it. So it's a six dice attack. And I get to deploy him on an obstacle. As, as long as I, it's so I'm right up in your grill. So I just flew him straight at one of the Arc 170s. I was like, what are you going to do? Because I'm going to proton top. I'm going to roll with six dice at you unless you kill me. So he murdered him before he got to fire, but he used like his entire list to kill this one ship. And I was like, cool. Comes back next turn. Yep. Every turn. And then it was like, oh, right. Yeah. So then I fired my advanced proton and he just refused to shoot at him. So that I couldn't bring him back with another advanced proton. I was just like, do you want to kill him? Do you want to kill 404? You could shoot, could shoot him. If he'd die real easy. But nope, not shooting him. So I had to try and like run over asteroids to try and murder him myself. It was sad times. Couldn't do it. That's some galaxy but, brain thought. Like, I'm going to prefer not to kill it just so that it doesn't hurt me later. But it's fired its torpedo. It's not as scary anymore. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was like I, I murdered all, he had three Arc 170s and I just murdered all of them. And then the Invisible Hand has got 15 shields because you're trying to blow up the uh, the shield generators so that you can get your Jedi onto Invisible Hand to rescue Palpatine. But you you have to do it with two, if you get two Force users, so Anakin and Obi-Wan, to be overlapping the Invisible Hand when it has no shields, the Republic basically auto wins. 
but I've got 15 shields. If it's not ionized, I add an evade result to every attack. And every time he tried to ionize me, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not ionized yet. So I add yeah. the evade, which stops the ion. <laughs> and then he got me down to like nine shields, and then he tipped past critical mass. So he couldn't do enough damage to like just keep it going down. So my shield started going up every turn. And uh, that's when it was like, okay, I think we're done here. Because uh, the number of ships I had was going up, the number of shields I had was going up, and he's like, oh, I've got Anakin and Obi-Wan and a V-19 left. Not looking great. It's like, yeah, I think you cared about your clones too much. I think the Obi-Wan has the line of like, no, Anakin, they're doing their job now. We have to do ours. The clone's job is to suicide into the invisible hand all guns blazing to get their right. shields down. Yep, that's their sole purpose in life is to die. Yeah, um, so that was that was fun. Uh, then um, I, I'll take the credit, what the hell. I ran an Epic Games Day yesterday on Saturday. Like, Epic points don't exist for 2.5 yet, so I just definitely didn't make them up. I definitely did like a bunch of... like heavily research playtesting that didn't just involve going on Yasby, adding up how many points it was possible to spend on the ship, saying that was a loadout value, and then just making up a number to be the squad cost. It was far, you know, loads of research went into it. So I posted that list on the Discord if you, anyone else wants to try some 2.5 epic play. Uh, everyone had fun, um, but I was running, um, running some new players, well, some returning 1.0 players through uh, how 2.5 works. So that Ooh, was nice that, to see. That's got to be a big culture shock right there. I think that's why they wanted to... Like, they didn't really stick with 2.0 when it came out and kind of drifted out pretty early in that cycle. Uh, but there are actually people I've been playing 40k with, and I was like, I can't play 40k this weekend. I'm running an epic event. And they're both like, oh, maybe we'll come. So uh, they came and like, hung out, played some normal X-Wing, and I ran them through that. So that was cool. Um, then I've been playing in the very little free time I've had. I just threw on um, Masters of Orion 2, uh, Battle for Antares. Yep. So it's I like, play, played that eons ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just yeah. Um, something I can play, not think about. And like, An old planet conquering game. Yeah. It's good fun. It's still available on Steam. Although I did. Um, Greg actually told me that um, Wargaming have purchased that license now, so they own the rights to um, all of the Masters of Orion games. That made mm. me a little bit sad. Who purchased them? Um, Wargaming, so the people behind um, World of Tanks, World of Warships, all of that kind yeah. of stuff. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Yeah. So uh, probably not much updating and probably just money grabs. Yeah, well, I, mean, I already owned it anyway, so... No. I didn't send any uh, any money to them, and I haven't for a good few years. I used to play World of Warships quite a bit, but kind of, yeah, I'm I'm done. I'm done giving Wargaming my hard-earned money. <laughs> I hear but, yeah. they're good games. I've never sat down and played them. I hear that they're, like, good mindless games. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about them to be able to give uh, an opinion on them. Is that the Masters of Orion or Wargaming World of Games? The world, the Wargaming world of, world of Games. I used to really like World of Warships. I didn't really play, well, I've never played World of Tanks, because that was always 
just always pay to win from what I understand. Like gotcha. you can buy you can buy premium ammo, which just gives you better penetration. Hmm. And if you if you don't buy the premium ammo, you just can't penetrate some of the tanks. Yeah, it's so, if if you're in a free tank, you go up. You want to go up against free tanks. If you're yeah, you know, if you're in well, a paid tank against free tanks, you're gonna blow them up. Um, the way World of Warships used to be set up, again, I can't speak to what it's like now, um, was the premium stuff on that just got you more XP and in-game currency. So you weren't buying like premium ammunition. Or everyone's bullets were the same, everyone's armor was the same. Like, they had premium ships, which were generally not overly overpowered, unless like you got some of the Russian ships, which were like ridiculous, but still had weaknesses theoretically but um yeah it, it was a decent game but it just stopped being fun i think they changed carriers a few times and uh, the problem with aircraft carriers is that they drastically changed the way that naval warfare worked yeah so if you're going to have carriers in your naval warfare game it kind of drastically changes the way yeah so you know what i mean it's all right um I think the game would be better if carriers weren't a playable thing. Like, I just it makes sense, and it, it's sad because I enjoyed playing carriers and I like the concept. And like, if I play, how did the how uh, did they function in the game? Did they actually have uh, aircraft that they fired off the decks and they were dropping torpedoes in the water? Yeah. So yep. you the way they changed it to be was that you actually flew the squadron. So you were effectively playing a different game to everybody else. You were yep. flying planes around and like kind of like an afterburner style though. So you know, really basic and if you were flying you couldn't fly a fighter squadron. You were, you flew either a, a, a bomber, dive bomber, torpedo bomber, and the fighters were just something that happened. So it was a bit weird, but yeah, it was overly warping on the way the game worked, so Lots yeah, that, of complaints. That sounds like that would completely unbalance a game. Yeah. Right. It sounds like a cool idea because everyone's like, oh, we want to do more modern aircraft carriers. And then the second that that comes into play, it completely unbalances it. Yeah. No, it's fine. You know, it is what it is. People still enjoy it. I don't judge. I just stop. So I don't. Um, there you go. That's what you yeah, do. I'm... You know, when something doesn't, when something starts to hit the point where either you don't like it or you get tired of it, just don't play it anymore. I mean, Obviously, I posted on Facebook about it for six solid months and still go on all the forums telling everyone how wrong they are for enjoying it because <laughs> it is 2022. But right, that's just a different hobby that I don't really talk about. <laughs> um, I use the account Screw You Wargaming 2022 and um, just <laughs> hang around on all the forums, you know, um, bring back old carrier. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's been a very busy time. Um, lots of stuff going on behind the scenes of Dice Hate. Um, very, very stressful stuff I don't really want to get into in a overly public forum just yet, you know? But um, yeah, there, there were some, some dire straits on little bits, but it's all my own fault. I made some bad decisions on where I was going to put my focus, and um, it's fine. But you know, not nothing's bad. You know, still in business, but we're not losing the house or anything like that. It's all fine. Everything's fine. Um, but yeah, there'll be 
a little bit of a delay. I'm hoping to still have the store up and running in January, but um, I put, yeah, just stress, just lots of stress. Um, but that was fine. We'll talk about it off. I'm sure. I'm sure you're intrigued. But um, that's all good now. Hopefully, touch wood. Um, but we should still have. I've got to do the taxes for this year, which is always in December. And I always say I'm going to do them before Christmas, and I always end up doing them like a solid week in between Christmas and New Year, because that's when the GST returns due on the 31st of December. Um, so I've still got that to do. And um, your tax return, yeah, that is a sales tax. Um, so I've got to account for all of the sales tax I charged on goods and services. Gotcha, and it's always easier to line it up with doing all of the other accounting as well. Um, yeah, I think my corporate tax returns due in May, like three months after um, the end of the, the company financial year, but that'll be an interesting one this year. Um, pretty terrified because obviously i got all that business funding so it's going to be a way i'm probably going to need a real accountant to help me this time around but i normally try to do it all myself but i think that'll be a, a step too far we'll see um but yeah it's been going good i've got a bunch of um like stuff that i've been making i i've made um i box um gift sets for the portions of healing that i was making or i've done like boxes with um little like uh letters from the proprietor of the in-universe store um guaranteeing the like the viability of his health portions that if they don't save you from immediate <laughs> death you can take them back and get a refund or an exchange <laughs> um but that was uh that was cool i've been pretty uh pretty popular I think I've only got two left of the 12 that I made. Um, my mum asked me if I could make um, some like something for her husband for Christmas or his birthday. Uh, so I designed some like custom coasters with um, the dogs on them. And then I laser etched into wood and I've varnished and stained all the wood. And then there's a Perspex cover that goes over them with the name etched into it. And they look pretty cool. I'm like, ah, oh, you know what probably sells better than healing potions? Custom dog coasters, you know. It might not be where I envisioned Dice Hate going, but I feel like people like dogs and they like pictures of their own dogs and people like tat. So I put those two things together. I just need to get a stall at a farmer's market and like overcharge for them and I'll make that. It'll be fine. Do you have yeah, well, flea? Do you have like flea markets that you're in Canada? Like you can just set up a permanent booth kind of thing. Um, I mean, I'd have to pay for uh, a table and stuff sure. like that or a stall, but I'm not quite there yet. I'm, I'll do um, I'll do the old Facebook advertising and posting some local right, groups right. first. But at Etsy, people do a lot of work on Etsy. Yeah, well, I can have them on. I can have them on the website. So I don't really want to do Etsy. Yeah. I mean, there's the discoverability side of it. it. It's something I've been back and forth on because they take a big chunk of the money if you do it for yeah, Etsy. So, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Um, but I, I tried to... Well, we, we, me and Joe agreed that we weren't going to stress about it before Christmas because we wanted to be able to enjoy Christmas and everything happened too close, you know, to build a stock and everything. Yeah. So... Well, it's a good time. Yeah. It's a good time to start after Christmas, though, because everybody gets their Christmas money, and you know, 
they can yeah they can spend it on you know dice eight stuff yeah um i've be, i've got an order coming from china for um some more dice and potion jar things because ordering off amazon cost me um basically i was spending like an hour or so making stuff to make five bucks and i'm like mm. yeah yeah, you know what? This probably isn't the business model. I probably need to not buy individual things off Amazon if I'm going to make these properly. So, yeah, unfortunately, I had to um, outsource a little bit more. So, I do order local stuff where, when and where I can. I find um, a supplier in the next town over for all of my acrylic stuff and all of my um, like the wood I use for laser. That's cool. But I'm sure I'm sure he just orders his stuff from China. But you know, <laughs> at some point the money leaves the country, but it's fine. And by that I mean all of your English money and the UK money and all of the American money should come into Canada and fund, you know, our economy. And you should all purchase from Dice Hate. It'd be great. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, I've I've like kind of nailed down exactly how I'm wanting it to work for all the patreon stuff so that'll be cool um i think i'm just gonna uh, like send out discount codes every month for patrons and then i'll kind of figure it out that way and so the only thing left i'm i'm sorting out payment options at the moment so i sent like, my mum i sent her a paypal invoice because she doesn't have paypal i was like it says you can pay it even if you don't have paypal so it's like okay we'll see like, if my mum can figure it out anyone can and she did but then she messaged me so like why is it why is it saying i've created a paypal account I'm like, i don't know maybe, <laughs> you, like maybe you've got paypal now i don't know yeah oh. congratulations yeah so i'm trying to figure all of that out but that's it that's been my my time i um evie ayla and jill have all been ill for what, pretty much two weeks i've been sleeping in the basement trying to not get sick so that i can keep working and then doing dissect stuff and doing all of that so yeah i've been back a bit the bed is set up again in the basement i've been like hiding down here um jill's feeling better now um ayla's still a little bit congested but evie moved on from having like a cold to how just vomiting for two days um so yeah that was awesome um, fun times but yeah oh the other thing i um it's down here now, so I can show I can show just you two. But my terrarium, I re I replanted my terrarium, Ooh. and uh, I ordered some bugs online because obviously I can't dig them up in the garden anymore. So I have my terrarium. Uh, so I need I needed. I was saying to Joe, it's like shut up, stop. You can't shout at me. I need something I have a little bit of control over in my life. How's and, that? How's that? How's that going? I'm genuinely, um, truly interested. When you started posting pictures of that the first time you started doing it, I'm like, that that's really cool. I want to know more, and I want to see how it's going. So um, I kind of let it slide. I swept the curve of it slide, so then it one of the plants was resting against a glass, which gets damp and then rots the leaves. So I yep. tried to prune it back, but I left it too long. So when I trimmed it back, um, it just didn't recover. So the moss had been okay in it, but the like 
the springtail colony had moved kind of to the bottom where the charcoal was and uh, half of the moss was turning yellowy. So it's like, oh, you know what? This probably needs a little bit more revi like revision doing. So I just, I was getting my mum a gift card for a birthday from the, the plant place, a local, again, supporting local businesses in Cochrane. Um, so I got her a gift card and then I just bought two, like $3 plants to put in it um and ordered some bugs from a store in um in toronto because um the calgary pet shop doesn't have um they have the springtails which are what are really good but you can't see them they don't really do anything they're just right. like little white specks that hop around mm -hmm. uh, so i bought some uh, woodlouse or pill bugs or whatever you call them in america i don't know yeah roly um, yeah yeah roly polies is another one but yeah, so I, I have um, 15 of those in there and then another colony of springtails I added in, which they should deal with any of the rotting plant matter. But a little fucker kept eating. I, I kept seeing him just munching on the leaves of one of these plants I just planted. I'm like, you know, you're supposed to eat dead plants. This one's still alive. Get fucked. There's enough dead stuff in there. But um, <laughs> So then I, I, because I'm a moron and a loser, I bought food for them. Um, so it's like a, it's a powder. It's, uh, Jill said it reminds her of the powder that Andy eats from Gabe's house in the office, where it's powdered seahorses. And he's like, I don't know, mate. I ate maybe fifteen seahorses powdered. I don't, I don't know. But it was just like, just, it, it was just disgusting. And I'm like, <laughs> it, these things eat decaying matter. So this is just powdered dead thing. Yes. But you like you get the powder, you make some warm water in it, and then it sets like a gelatin. So I've got, and then I slice it up, and I put a little bit out, and I've been trying to tr teach them to come and get. I'm, I'm like training my woodlice to rule a world. You know, when I have <laughs> when I have my army of woodlice guys, that's when I'll rule a world, and then we'll see. It's then not we'll that see. it's not that dissimilar to the stuff that I feed the crickets that we feed the frogs. Like those little gelatin cubes that are like food and water all in yeah. one, where they actually drain the water out of it. But there's nutrients inside that as well. Yeah, um, it is that kind of thing. And I, the theory being that you would keep these to put into your terrariums with like lizards and stuff, and they would then hunt the bugs and eat them. But I'm like, uh... I'm happy enough to just just the bugs yeah yeah so here's it, some it, inter interesting facts wood lice are related to lobsters shrimp and crayfish yeah i did not know that yeah Neither um, did I. isopods i think they're called is that the real name for them and they are both an aquatic and a land-based animal yeah on species on cydia on cydia something like that but yeah it, it's i'm I'm enjoying it. It's like I, I have them down in the basement. I've got a little sunlight thing, you know, if I was gonna be growing weed in my basement, the lights you'd get. But um I is Ed frozen. This is really still. No, no, it's not frozen. No. Okay. So like the weird thing, like I'm getting used to the fact the mic's actually on the headset. I don't have to lean forward to talk into the yeah. mic. So I'm just kinda of getting like oh comfy. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um but yeah, so I've got totally, this like totally light. Leave that in, by the way. Totally leave that in. <laughs> I, I will. I was not going to edit this crap. It's not a. It's not a heresy cast where I've got to put work in. This is why I can focus. We don't edit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I got the light and I was like, I can't. It's on a stand, mm -hmm. so I'm like, I'm not going to set it up upstairs. I'll bring it down. I'll put it in the basement. So it's like 
I keep it next to my desk, so I have the light on during the day for, to give them some sunlight. I'll give a plant some sunlight, so I, I have it here when I'm working away, and I take it upstairs at night, and it goes on the shelf in the kitchen. So I'm I'm absolutely I've got two dogs, man. You know I could care and care for and give my dogs effect, but no, all about the little advice. It's fine. That, no, it's really cool. Like legitimately, I get it. I can totally like one of the things like I had growing up as a kid i've always had fish tanks and i love like i just and i think sean you and i've talked about this before i didn't just do fish in a fish tank like i always had live bearing fish so you had your guppies your mollies platties things like that but i always had the all right these are the ones that are going to float high these are the ones that are going to float low these are all of yeah. the You're, you stratified you stratified your tank Right. But then you get the maintenance fish because I always had live plants. I didn't do plastic plants and I had like, you know, real driftwood that was in there. So you had all these other little things that were growing in and grasses that were growing in and all the bottom feeders that were cleaning up all the stuff and all the out ones that are going to clean the algae off and the good snails that you want versus the bad snails that you want. Like, like I totally get it. I can a hundred percent get behind all of that and having this little contained little world that you are God over. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said to Jill. She's like, "Oh, you you like the mum?" I was like, "No, I'm not. Jill. I'm like the god. That's they right. pray to me, and occasionally God <laughs> delivers them food." Okay, I am the god of this tiny little world. That's right. Basically, Chris is learning to make compost in a contained in a contained ecosystem. Correct. Oh, it's good. I um, it it's cool. I I like. It's not cool at all. Cool being a relative term. I find it interesting and intriguing. It has its own water. If you have a closed uh, terrarium with plants and all of this stuff, it has its own water cycle. Yep. So uh, it'll um, form condensation on the glass and then it'll filter down through the soil, through a charcoal layer, into the sediment at the bottom and then rinse and repeat. So I, yeah. Well, once you get it going. One of them's coming out now. Yeah, if you can if you can get that cycle going, it'll actually perpetuate for as long as it can maintain. I know some people have had I don't know if they're terrariums or if they're the the sealed fish tank type things where where they last for like thirty, forty years. Yeah, it's all on what kind of plants you put in them and stuff like that and having yeah. that critical mass of the um the insects in space and so i i don't know i didn't do i did research but i i didn't do like in-depth research like the exact quantities of things to put in something of this size and everything like that right so like this one will require maintenance so i at the minute because it's newly it's been like reset up i added new plants to it so i'm still like opening it every day to kind of even out the condensation she want it to form a little bit in the morning and then dissipate and then form again at night. So those as it's cool and then cool again. And you you know, it kind yeah. of a glass should get warm enough that it doesn't form condensation, it kind of thing. Yeah. And then as your but, plants are, are aspirating and you know, it's the supplying oxygen and then CO two, yeah, you know, to keep itself going. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I do find it cool. I like it. Um the the little ones, the one with the tie fighter in it, and the other little one I made. Um, I've cracked them open, like just taken the lid off twice since I posted those pictures, maybe six months ago, and I've added uh, like a couple of drops of water to each of them once, 
like a week or so ago, but they're still they're going pretty strong. Um, like the I've posted some new pictures in the Discord of those ones because I'd had hoped to transfer to a cork tops for them because I had pla- like sealed proper sealed plastic lids for you using them as jam jar kind of things, mm-hmm. um, jelly jars, jam. So you, yeah, you know, yeah. It would, it would be a jam jar for you, right? Yeah, it depends. We we have jellies and jams. Yes, there are distinct differences. But you spread both of them on like bread, don't you? Sure. Correct. Yeah. So a jelly in the UK would be the the middle layer of a trifle, another no, bottom layer of a trifle. Um. So a gelatin mix made from ground up cow's bones and like fruit flavors and stuff. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a jelly. So you you wouldn't spread that on toast. Yeah, here but, here here you spread jelly. So it's kind of like jelly to me when I've looked at it is jelly is smooth where a jam still has fruit chunks in it and stuff. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So well, to me, both of those things are jam. Just one's jam with seeds or jam with chunks. Yeah. Or seed. Yeah. Yeah. So like you can have grapes with seeds and grapes without seeds. You know, they're still grapes. Right. But anyway, that, that's enough of a tangent on a tangent, I think. <laughs> I, Sean said he only had like a 30 minute show, so I had to pad it. It's not my fault. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's, uh, you know, that's an interesting, what, two weeks and three days for you, Chris. It's been busy, so that's a good thing. Um, yeah. For me, I haven't done a lot of game gaming. Um, trying to think. Um, so. Over the last two weeks, I've been working on the arcade in the basement. Um, I've been working on lighting, and then it's actually now set in place. So all the games, or all the cabinets are now where they're going to be. Now I'm working on lighting, which I sent a picture to to YouTube, which, of course, you know, the audience won't see. But I have rope lighting because I built a platform. So the platform sits on a two by four and then, or it's a two by four height platform if you're standing it up, not laying it down. And then I put half inch plywood. So basically I just built, you know, like a wall, but for the floor. So I could lift it up because I do get water in my basement um, at times. And so it's to protect the the machines and stuff. And, and then I put a kind of like that kid's foam padding flooring stuff on it, um, the puzzle piece stuff that you get i put that down on it so when you're walking on it it's actually squishy not firm or hard you know because when you're standing playing video games all day you you know your leg especially as you get older your legs hurt more you know and the it's basically like fatigue matting yeah that's that's stuff we put in our garage whenever we did uh our covid gym that stuff's fantastic yeah and you know i didn't buy the super thick stuff i just got the it's like three eighths inch thick stuff um so i put that down and then all the machines sit you know on top of all that stuff and so now that i got my last machine which was the uh what was it it was the nfl blitz machine it's a four-player cabinet so the control deck on it's pretty wide and then i also have nba jam which is a four-player with a wide control deck and then i have an at games um alu system that I put bought their four player control deck on. So basically I had to wait till all of that was in place before I could figure out where everything else went. And so now that everything's in place, now I can do all my lighting. And 
the lighting that's by the door is is Wi-Fi connected lighting, so I can mess with it on my phone. And then I put a rope light to the step up, so you can kind of see where you're stepping up onto. Um, you know, because if you're going to actually have an arcade, you're not going to have any lights on. You're going to have all the machine lights on to light up the arcade and stuff. So I did that, and then um, and then I purchased a handheld. I don't know what you call it. It's you know just it looks kind of like a Nintendo Switch, but it's not a Switch. It's what's called an Evercade um, oh. handheld handheld system. Which this is this is something that intrigues me because so they I think it was a year ago or two years ago they released what's called a versus machine. But the compelling thing about this is that they sell cartridges. So it's kind of like you're buying console cartridges or cartridges for this handheld device. And I know that I know that you can get, if you want to, you know, air quote this cartridges for your Nintendo switch, but it, it looks more like a little SD card than a Nintendo than an, proprietary SD card, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, so these are cartridges. They're, you know, they're not gigantic cartridges or anything, but basically it's a cartridge based system where they sell, games for um old console systems so right now they have let's see going through them they have different ones from different systems some of them are are specific games on systems but i don't know but then they have in television cartridges they have atari like atari Lynx. um what else do they have they have um the upside for those Evercades, though, is they actually went to the companies and got licenses to do that. That so is like, correct. So, like, sometimes whenever you get, like, those Atari flashbacks, for example, like, oops, this year we didn't get the Activision licenses, so there's no Activision games on it, which is, in my right. opinion, a gigantic gap in the Atari library when you buy those. So, like, a lot of those, like, what whatever they are, you name it, the, the, mini, or the mini consoles, the Atari mini consoles, the Nintendo, even the PlayStation one that they did. They only did PlayStation um, and Square because they're kind of in, in good with, with Square um, games on those. Like you still miss a vast majority of the good games on that library because they couldn't get the licensing. Evercrade went around and actually got the licensing from them. They went the extra mile, which is why they can produce those carts. Now, really now I will say I will say this owning owning different systems because I own so I own at games legends I own arcade one-ups and I own the IR arcade system there are some low-hanging fruit for licenses and sure what I mean by that is data east you it seems like they're like you know a drop in the bucket because all oh. three all the systems have data east well I think some of the problems is some of those companies don't exist anymore so like, well, you but can't somebody, even negotiate a contract with them somebody usually with that somebody has bought Somehow, some way, somebody owns the licenses. Yeah, just like in television and the Tommy Television yeah. with them trying to yeah. get the Amiga. Yep. So, so you can get Atari collections, um, an Interplay collection, um, and, and and they kind of have it set up too, where when you buy them, they come in colored boxes. So if you buy the red boxes, these are console games. So they'll be the console ROMs, not exactly the arcade ROMs. And then if you buy the purple boxes, which is some of their newer stuff, those are arcade versions. So those are arcade ROM versions of the game. And now they're starting to come out with, we'll call it computer versions, where the first one they released is a blue box, and it's Commodore 64 games. Ooh. So so this is a really cool thing because you have, 
So you have Atari specific, you have the Interplay, Data East, Namco, what else do we have? Uh, Mega Cat Studios, Pico, which I had never heard of, I don't think, before. Then you have the Atari Lynx, because those were pri proprietary to that system. Um, Oliver Twins Collection, Xeno Crisis, which I think that's just the games. Um, Technos, um, Jaleco, uh, which is another one I think you can get pretty pretty wide, you know, wide versions of games. Um, Galeco, Technos, you know, so there's all kinds of games. But the coolest thing about this is that, you know, number one, you're not paying a super premium price for this handheld. The handheld's um, probably a little bit smaller than the Nintendo Switch, the because there were two types of Switches, weren't there? There was... Yeah, there's the Switch and then the Switch Lite, the one that... The Lite. So, yeah, one of them's designed to be plugged into a dock that can actually be connected to a TV. Yeah. That, that's the one that we have, and then the Lite is not. It doesn't... It's yeah, and I, I actually have both of them, but I don't know what I did with my Lite. Um, but yeah, the, the it's basically a little smaller than the, the Switch Lite. Um, and it has a 2-inch by 3-inch screen, which is you know, for a handheld system isn't too bad. Um, it's an IP, it's 1080p IPS monitor on it. Um, and then the cool thing is, is that if you're playing a game that's a vertical, like a, a top-down scroller, um, you can actually turn the system so that the game plays in a top-down fashion. So all, oh, that's cool. like 1942, 43, all those types that of games. You can actually play. It's designed so that you can play in, ver in the vertical fashion. Um, but the cool thing is, once again, is the cartridges. Because who doesn't like collecting cartridges? Which is cool. It is. And then one other thing too that they brought back is manuals in the the packages. So all the games, it tells you how to play the games. So you have cartridges with you know one, two two to three pages. Like Street Fighter, Hyper Fighting is one of the ones. Um, and then it has a page of Meet the Warriors, and then it talks about Ryu, Ken, E-Honda, and then it tells you what they're, you know, like what to t what to hit for their special moves and stuff like that. And, That's um, awesome. And then the system itself for the price, it costs 139 I got it for 119 but it comes with 18 Capcom games built in. So... You're already starting your collection with Capcom games, and then, and then it came with the what was it called? It was the uh, Toplan cartridge. So you get a the Toplan cartridge, which comes with eight arcade games, which is Tiger, Healy, Truxton, Guardian, Zero Wing, Alcon, Snow Bros, Flying Shark, and Tiki Pocky, something like that. And you know, so you're Basically, for 139 bucks, you're getting, you know, 26 games plus the system itself, the charging cord, and all that. But the cool thing is, is that it also has the, I don't know, what is it mini HDMI? It's the one where you can buy the adapter or yep. get the cable. That's, so, what, that's what the Raspberry Pi comes with. That's the one minor issue that I ever had with it, was trying to find a good cable, like a good cable. Like the, the cable that came with the Raspberry Pi was junk. Right. So trying to find a good quality HDMI mini to HDMI cable was a little difficult, but I found one. Or or you buy the adapter. 
you know, that takes it. Yeah, the problem that I have with those adapters, though, is the adapters tend to, and maybe I just had luck. That was my first shot, is I tried the adapter, and the, adap the adapter I got was junky. Now, admittedly, did I pay eight bucks for the adapter? Sure. Yeah. And maybe it was just my experience. I don't know. Like, for me, the experience that I had is I was just better off getting a high-quality HDMI mini to HDMI cable out, and that solved all my problems. Yeah, and I think I think I did that myself, but I'm not. I don't remember now. Um, but yeah, so you have the ability to play this at 1080p on a television, you know, if you want to, or or on a monitor, and basically play your game, you know. And that's that's the cool thing I like about things like this is a you're getting the original or, or as close to original arcade ROMs that whatever the emulator is on the system can run. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing I didn't like, like 1942, there's two different ROM versions of 1942. There's one where you got two planes. There was one where you got three, actually three versions, one where you got three planes and one where you got five planes. And this one came with the, with the two planes, you know, but it's free play, so it doesn't really matter and you can continue. Um, so that, you know, that's, that's, pretty awesome if you ask me and this literally just released this week so it released on the 15th you know so and then they have a deluxe version of it which is black and i don't know if it has special things on it but yeah this is something you know if you're into if you're into arcades like you know i have to go in two weeks i go and get my oil changed that's what this is for when i'm sitting yep. for two hours getting my oil changed you know, I'll have three, four hours of battery to play whatever, excuse me, games that I want to. And that's why I have my switches now, too, is if I have to go sit in a doctor's office for 30, 40, 50 minutes, I'm going to bring something like this with me so that I can kill time. Yeah, that's so, what I have. My, I, have a, I bought one of those little Chinese knockoff handhelds that basically take the old, like they, they have a surplus of the cell phone CPUs they don't know what to do with, so they kind of put them all together and they kind of make a, an emulation machine. I love mine. I have an Apernec, um 350, I think is the one that I have. The, I know there's a 351 that's actually a little bit better, has a better processor, but it has all of those old games on it. And that's for me, that's, hey, work sending me to here for a few few days. That goes into the that goes into my suitcase. So yeah. I'll, when I'm sitting at night, that's what I'm playing. I'm playing old Castlevania. I'm playing old, you know, trying to finally beat the beat uh, the original NES version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one, like that that kind of thing. That's what I use mine for. Yeah, and that's you know that's what this type of stuff is for. It's kind of time killing. You know, you don't have anything. You know, here's the deal. I have 1942 on multiple machines. You know, I'm gonna play it on probably on my um, ALP, my At Games Legends pinball, which is you know. 30 32 inch screen that i can have a top-down scroller on you know or you know stuff like that so th that's kind of what's cool about these things is like you said it's just the portability of it you know it's and it's made well you know it's not a cheap you know piece of junk i'm sure most of it's battery you know because sure sure 
That know? is the one thing, like, so, for example, that Aberdeck one that I have, like, they eventually came out, they recognized that the, it, it does feel a little cheap, I'm not going to lie, um, but they do have a metal case one that I was genuinely considering upgrading to at some point in time, because the metal case one's apparently much, much better. The buttons yeah. are all great, the little thumbsticks all work, I never really had a problem with that, but, like, it feels like a cheaper piece of plastic in your hand, as opposed to, like, what a metal one would feel like. Right, Yeah. And, you know, this one's got decent weight. It's kind of, like I said, it it looks and feels, you know, similar to the Switch Lite. You know, it's probably a little smaller than that, but definitely has that same feel. So, um, beyond that, I haven't done much gaming. I did play some Star Wars pinball last night. There you on, go. On the uh, pinball machine that you tried out at that game store you were talking about, um, which... That's the lesser of my two pinball, digital pinball machines, but, you know, it's Star Wars, you know. Yeah, it's Star Wars. It's good. Yeah. So, um, beyond that, I haven't really done much gaming. I played some Surviving Mars today, and when I would sit down and rest, I would just play it and then pause it, and then, because I've been working, trying to get stuff done around the house, because um, I got to get this, you know, the, the big Calyx built so I can get all of our all of our armies and stuff, a place to live, you know, in the <laughs> house and stuff. So, but I've had to do other things first because I have to have places, to, you know, I have a small house. So it's kind of like you have to do one thing to set up the next thing. And the next weekend's going to be tough because I bought a new bed. So I have to break down my old bed and move, shift stuff around. I got to bring my my two uh, Ikea display cases like what Chris has behind him. And I got to put them in these tight corners that I have for him because it's literally all the space I have left for him and stuff. And um, so I got to get those out of my bed, you know, so it's just, it's a lot of, it's, it's like when you get those little block games and you have to move a piece to move another piece and kind of the way my house is right now. So it's a changing your way in. I have some stuff that I can clear out of my house because I've been doing the same, Sean. And whilst I was tidying up, I found um, this copy of Gamma World by TSO. I found this other copy of Gamma World players' character sheets. These Gamma World Treasures of the Ancients, the Gamma World rule book, uh, (laughs) Cyberpunk Red, and then the World of Cyberpunk 2077, which I believe all belong to you and I'm supposed to send you like two years ago. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should probably mail these to you at some point, you know. Yeah, yeah, yep. I I would say so. <laughs> and I've got the box. I got up to get those, but I've got the box of stuff to show Ed as well. So I'll grab that because I've been doing the same. He's got the um what was alien it? versus predator. Yeah, the Gale Force Nine stuff he has. No, oh, not this... the Gale Force Nine stuff. This is the Proto stuff. Oh, so the, the Pred Alien in Unicast. I've got um, the Alien Queen. Ooh-hoo. I've got the Predator Hellhounds. Um, so the other Predator Hellhounds. I've got some normal Predators, some Whale and Utani Commandos. Ooh, there you go. Good old generic bad guys always work. Some USC and Power Loader. Ah, got the Alien King. Got the um, the alien infantry warriors. How many are in uh, that? This one comes with five. Oh, that's awesome! So is this like a minis game? 
It was. Yeah. Uh, got the armored personnel carrier. Oh my god. This is only the first box as well, by the way. I oh, do have in the other one there may be the uh, the Cheyenne gunship <gasps> in its wooden crate oh, with no. the straw packaging. Uh, some sentry guns, more pred aliens. Would you back the Kickstarter on this, Chris? No, I um we used to stock it in the store, but once it lost the license, I may have bought a hundred percent of the range. Um at least one of each. In case I ever, well, I've got the base game for that because it's a board game and a miniatures battle game that uses the same models. And I, and I was like, I'll use all of this for running Alien because I can homebrew some like Predator rules as well. It's not hard. Yeah, it's true again. So I was like, I can just, I can run this. Uh, and I'll need miniatures, but then um, life gets in, in the box. way. Well. I have the rule of if it sits in a box untouched for more than two years, I'm probably not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not going to do the thing. I've had. And if I'm not going to do the thing, I should let it sit in Ed's basement and have some money. So yes, this is a good so thing. We'll talk after we've finished. I'll send you a full list at some point. Sure. But yeah, I I've been meaning to talk to you about it for like three months and just keep forgetting. Because <laughs> well, last time we had this conversation, which was probably on a, as we are having it now, you're like, oh, if you ever want to get rid of that stuff, make sure you talk to me first. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, let me so, know. Consider yourself talked to. He has been. I heard it. You heard it here. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight's main topic is going to be a simple one, you know, one that all three of us have experienced and probably many of you out there in the world um, is starting a game or getting involved in an established game um, and trying to figure out what you're going to play, you know, what, what army or what, what minis you're going to buy that is going to make you want to play. And I'm going to kind of cede this to the two of you because you have a lot more experience than I do in this, but it's, I, I can give you one thing about myself is that, so in star Wars, I've always been, a fan of rebels but not the the space wizardy rebels you know <laughs> i've always not been a fan I... you know the 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 coolest characters in star wars up until rogue when rogue one was released to me were the were the rebel troopers that were in, sitting in the hallway waiting for the stormtroopers to enter you know the blockade runner because that's what it was called back then was the blockade runner. It wasn't called the Tantive Four. It wasn't called yeah, anything else. Back then. Nope. It was a blockade runner. And um those were my favorite style. You know, my favorite characters were those characters. And then of course the my next favorite characters were all the ships. Because to me the ships are just as iconic as the characters that flew them. You know, Y Wings, X Wings when you're looking at New Hope, the um you know, when episode five came out, I believe you got tie bombers at that point, which I know that those are Imperials, but you got a little bit of new, you got the super star destroyer. Um, and then of course, you know, episode TIE interceptor seven. came out of that one too. True. Yep. Tie interceptors. And then of course, episode six, you got the a wings and B wings, which then B wings became my favorite ship out of the ships. And, um, you know, but my favorite characters, like I said, up until Rogue One were the Rebel Troopers. And then, of course, 
um, Cassie and Andor became my favorite Star Wars character just because a he was a rebel, but b he was that ruthless rebel. You know, he was the guy that did the things that had to be done to get the mission done. You know, um, find out about you know the rebel pilot that Saw Gerrera has you know in his midst. You know, and then shoots the guy in the back because he hurt his arm. You know, like a dumbass and. You know, and then of course you had the whole Andor series, which one day we do need to talk about. I was um, wondering when that was coming. Um, but you know, that whole series to me is just like that's that's what Star Wars should have been, in my opinion. You know, of course it wouldn't have been Star Wars because it didn't have the Space Wizards and it didn't have the Darth Vader redemption arc and all of that type of stuff. Um, you know, but to me it was probably the best Star, at least you know. For me, it was the best Star Wars, but I think it's definitely the best Disney era Star Wars that they put out. But, you know, it's it's cool to see, you know, to have that background to go with. So, you know, when I play Legion, I want to play Rebels, but I'd rather play the Cassian Andor style Rebels more so than the Luke skywalker Rebels, you know, yeah, I get because that. because to me, that's just not as compelling. Um and then, you know, I've played a couple other miniatures games, but Warhammer Fantasy was Bretonians, you know, because for some reason, and I've, you know, just came come to realize it recently, is I'm very human-centric when I play my stuff, too. <laughs> um, probably it's, you know, probably just because the way my brain works and stuff, it's, I understand it more. You know, the Space Marines, even though they're kind of more super being-ish, um, you know, the Space Marines was my first, and then I realized that Astra Militarum is probably the coolest in all of it, just because, may not be because of army strength, even though they did just win a GT. They um, did. Um, and there's actually a local guy who won it, Dan Sammons, is the, he's local to Omaha, that, that won it. Um, you know, and, and there, they give me that, that World War II feel, you know. Um, and then I've played a little Flames of War, and of course I picked the Americans as my main in that and stuff like that. But you know, it, I'm not as driven by the lore as I am by the you know the type of army that it is. You know, the rebels with rebel troopers and things like that. Um, I did like you know when I played uh, um, Imperial Assault competitively. I played the rebels in that too, because, you know, who doesn't want just a bunch of rebels running around trying to, you know, trying to kick the crap out of either other rebels or scum or, you know, the, the squirrely Imperials, you know, um, but, you know, you guys have a lot more experience. So I'd like to have your guys's interpretation, you know, on why you chose what you chose in the miniatures games that you play and, and you know, in those what the decisions that that had you making or uh, choosing that chris if you don't mind i wouldn't mind uh, getting the kick off i don't want to i don't know if i can go through all of them i've so to be perfectly fair i have experience with basically two miniatures games warhammer 40k and x-wing i did light touch fantasy and i did light touch the old warmer hordes but i didn't Ooh. know i know i did well i was you know i was trying to find a i'm not sorry it's okay 
No, you're not. You shouldn't be. Um, so for me, um, whenever I jumped in, the first miniatures game I jumped into was Warhammer 40k. That's very in fourth edition, and it was the Necrons. I was all in on the Necrons, and because I liked the aesthetic. Now, I probably came in probably on a very different trajectory than most people do, because um, most people when they get introduced to Warhammer 40k, it's the Marines. It's the Marines, but. Chad was my my venue into the the world of Warhammer 40k, and of course he was chaos and he was a bad guy and all of this was kind of cool. So I had a feeling what like I don't know maybe I had a disdain I don't know I had a a sour taste in my mouth for the imperial side of things. Uh, but me legitimately it was the look and feel of the Necrons. If you go back and look at those old um, Necrons from fourth edition, some of the old metal models, they were very like ancient. Egyptian undead in space. It looked really cool. Um, so for me, it was just an aesthetic thing. And I, I think for a lot of the things that I had done, a lot of it was the rule of cool. Like it, I just wanted my army to look cool. And the idea of these robot skeletons with these green glowy rods and hordes and hordes of them in this giant pyramid in the back. And it, it was just that. Cause I did, obviously didn't know, know enough about the story. I didn't know enough about the lore to have been able to attach myself to it. I hung on to them because their lore is really cool. I hung on to them because the story is really cool. Um, but that was where I got my start for 40 K. It was just the look and feel and the aesthetic of that army like i went through and looked at all of them but when i got to necrons that's where i fell in love so i'll kick one over to you maybe we can do a a tit for tat there chris i mean the problem with this is that i am relatively single-minded when it comes to it and i've narrowed this down over many years and i perfected the art of starting a new army and is it cool enough that I'm going to paint it? Mm. That's it. I, if I'm not going to paint it, I don't care. I'm not going to do it. So it has to be cool enough that I think I'm going to paint it. So I I have no interest in playing Orcs, but the, those squigs from the, uh, the like, what, a year or so ago, Squig Hog Boy set, just looked awesome. So I wanted... Yeah, I wanted to paint. I've, I've had, that's the shirt I'm wearing right now. My Squiggersaw shirt. <laughs> there you um, go. Right, but yeah, like this is all a gimmick. I don't really care about orcs. I'm not an orc player. I would never have thought that I would have a 40k orc army. But I, I'll force myself to paint the grots. I'll force myself to paint the boys so that I can enjoy painting the squigs because they're just cool and look fun, you know. And I enjoy painting them. And I'll put put them on the table and I'll play the game, but that's all secondary to me. I, I big contributing factors to whether or not because there are plenty of armies, I'm not gonna lie, that I've walked away from because I was afraid to paint them because they're so intricate. The Zithers being one of them. Um legitimately I've put more time into painting the 20 sisters that I have painted than I have any other army I've ever done simply because it, it and again, we're coming from two different camps. I get that. To me, painting always... Like, I enjoy it, but it does feel like a chore sometimes. It really does. I, I'm the set. I don't want to paint 40... Oh, boys, do I hell? I, <laughs> I have no interest in that at all. Uh, there's a reason why my Arkami isn't finished. I, in no, in November, I managed to do a basing on my Beast Boss on Squiggersaw. That's all I did in November. Mm. Uh, it's it's a little bit crappy. I don't and like, yeah, I've been focusing on business stuff and like work. Sure, sure. 
So I've got my excuses all lined up, but uh, yeah, I but there's got to be something in the army that m inspires me to want to paint it. Uh, it's the reason why um, a game like Bolt Action, for example, professionally, I've known that I need to learn and get into Bolt Action for like two or three years. There's, and a, there's, a, there's a market out there to having those painted. Uh, as in, like, for my job of being able to run events and talk about games and everything, I should know more about bolt action. But it doesn't inspire me enough to be excited to do it. Hmm. And like 18, 19, 20, 20, like mid 20 year old Chris might have just been able to look at what, what the best list is and make a list and then buy that and build that and play it and like slowly go through a grind of painting it because I have to to play in tournaments, but that isn't where I am anymore. So one thing we used to do, um, and this is when I was in a phase of buying a new army or cycling armies maybe every two, three months, um, we used to just play the yes-no game. All right. So let's say, Ed, you want to, you want to play a new 40k army because you're getting bored of just playing the armies that are in the top like three from tournament results you know you get bored of being a bandwagon jumper a bandwagon jumper for like 11 years yeah. okay i mean what, what man i'm not gonna let facts get in the way of a good story <laughs> so all right ed wants to start a new army so we'll go through and we'll just play a yes no game so like so ed what you need to do i'm gonna ask you a question it's gonna be a yes or no question there's no ums or ahs or caveats to it it's yes or no okay so it's like do you want to play good guys? No, does it? Does, yeah. yeah, it doesn't have no. to be. No. So do you want? Do you want to play Xenos? Yes. Yeah. So do you want to play combat? Yes. Yeah. So do you want to like have vehicles? No. Do you want to play Tyranids? Yes. <laughs> See, there yeah, you go. See? There, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> like legitimately, <laughs> like you. <laughs> that was not that very long of a trip, now was it? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like you do it, but like you. You obviously you need to have some knowledge or be talking to someone with knowledge of to ask the correct questions. But it, it's just that and obviously it's the same as those shitty Facebook things that come up. Like see which Primark you are, what chapter should you be? It's like, do you like green? Yeah. Do you prefer Lionel Johnson or Vulcan? Uh Lionel Johnson. Oh, you should be a dark angel. Oh well, thanks. No, thanks for fucking what. Yeah. What's well, interesting? You... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I apologize. No, I was just going to make a joke, but was on, wasn't going to land anyway. <laughs> well, so it's interesting that you had said it that way because legit, legitimately, the first two armies that I played in 40k were strictly for the aesthetic and the rule of cool for me. So, like, whenever Necrons, whenever we moved into fifth edition, and Necrons became legitimately awful, the worst army in the game for the longest time. It became it became very difficult to find enjoyment in a game that you're always getting your teeth kicked in. So then I moved on. I was like, okay, if I want to continue to play this game, which I like this game, I need to pick a different army that at least performs a little bit better. And I went down the same route of, well, what's the next army that looks really, really cool to me? And I landed on Tyranids simply because I like that close combat, rip and tear. I'm a very big fan of the alien um, motif, like from the, the alien universe. And it definitely has that look and feel to me of these you know big giant space bugs that just want to murder everyone. So I went down for that. But when I when that codex came out, 
Thank you, Robin Kraditz. And it also began to relegate another one of my armies to one of the worst armies in the game. I was kind of in a position like, well, I was really getting into tournament play. I wanted to get an army that performed better and actually was near the top tier of the meta. And at the time, that was Space Wolves. So I was buying a bunch of Marines anyway because Gabriel was getting into orcs. The Assault on Blackreach box set was out at that time frame. So we had a bunch of Marines floating around. And I didn't pick Space Wolves because I'm really into the wolf motif. I didn't pick Space Wolves because I, you know, like the color scheme or thought they were... I, I bought into that army specifically because they were a top tier at the time meta list. And I bought only the things I needed to build that list. So it's really interesting to go from two armies that I, and again, I don't think I've touched Marines in a really long time. Two armies that I still play to this day would be more than happy to pick up either one of them right now and play right now on either one of those, simply because they're cool armies, simply because I enjoy the fluff, simply because I enjoy painting them and have fun with that army. I could, I, I could almost go, he, like, we keep the Space Marine army here simply because, hey, someone wants to learn how to play a game. Marines is always a good place to start someone for, for, for keeping the that's the only reason why they're all still here yeah and it's one of those where like you can play the game as deep as you like you know mm -hmm. do, do i want a heavy bolt or a missile launcher you know you you can get to those level of questions of like how you load out your squads and everything just doing that thing and it's just be snappy with your answer and just go with it but like if you're doing turn inside do you want do you want a swarmy army do you want do you like big monsters do you like you know um... i like both <laughs> yeah but it, legitimately that, that's like every list i've ever built for tyranids it's 120 gaunts and like four monstrous creatures because that's what i want to play i want to overwhelm you with no i want to have more models on the board than you have bullets and then mop you up with gene stealers yeah. and the bigger bugs that's what i want to do that's how that feels right to me yeah, and that is how they and, play in the lore. Just for the record, yeah, and it, it's like the thing I've discussed. I don't know if we've done it on air, but like orcs at the moment, I don't really enjoy playing them because they don't play like I feel like I want them to. But I want to run two squads of twenty, but I should run two squads of uh, four squads of ten. Yeah, and it doesn't feel right to me. So if I played the yes no game, I'd never land on an MSU orc army. That's not never where I will land. So I've already kind of like you can just about make out the box of um, Wraith Guard on the floor. I actually own all of the stuff that I want to do for my Eandan army now. So I'll work on that. But I'm not gonna start it until my orcs are finished. And then I'm gonna take my time with it, play with my orcs. If I need a change, I'll play with my demons. And I'll work on the Elder Army, and then once it's all painted, then I'll put it on the table. Yeah. So that's my plan for next year, is I'll slow, slow progress in the Andan Army, just in time for a rules to change, and um, it to not matter. See, 10th edition is a rumor that is coming. So if we were to migrate off of, let's say, for example, like 40k, because I've done 40k, why, for example, when I jumped in hard on X-Wing, did I go Imperial? So... X-Wing's a weird one for me, because I would well, I would call you out and say, you didn't go Imperial. I bet you owned as many Rebels as you did Imperial. To, to be because fair... FFG were evil and forced you to buy both factions to get all the cards. 
Well, there is there is that, of course, a hundred percent. But so the question really becomes: Is what army did I, what faction did I play the most? And X, I, that's not the route that I thought you were going with with the way that FFG did. It. I thought you were going down the route of the fact that there's at the beginning there was only two factions. Period. Um, it wasn't this utopia that we live in now, where there's like six, seven, eight factions that you can kind of pick and choose from which way you wanted to go. Oh. There, there was only two. Uh, this might be an interesting tangent that. Sean might jump on back in on and we'll pad out the section a little bit. But to me, X-Wing is more like magic than it is like Warhammer. Yeah. In I that do. you no one plays green. There isn't a green magic player. Obviously there will be. Don't don't write in and tell me you're that person because I really don't care. <laughs> um, but you know, people play magic, people play X-Wing. In 40k, people play Space Wolves. People play Blood Angels. They yes. don't play the game, they play the faction. Like, yeah. I, I said myself, I'm not an Orc player. I'm currently playing Orcs in 40k as a 40k player. But a 40k player is a minority. In my perception of the world, it would be like Ed's a Necron player, Chad's yeah. a World Eaters player. Sean's an Imperial Guard player, you know. Yeah, uh, that's that's how I view that game. Whereas in a Magic player is a Magic player is a Magic player, and yeah, I'm sure I... I'm sure there is a thing for like a Commander player would be more common than a White Red player. Yeah, or yeah. the commander, the commander player that just loves his Angels deck or his Zombie deck. Yeah, no, I can I can see that analogy. Yeah, and I think like. When you're when you're comparing X-wing to Magic, I think as X-wing went along, it kind of fell into that, you know, where there was enough variety in it. Where yeah, it's like Magic. I mean, I don't play any specific deck color in Magic. One thing about me with Magic is I tend to stay away from green for the most part, just because. It's not that fun. You know, stompy creatures that, to that's me. That's a lie, Sean. My no. magic. Oh, I, am, I am the person who I told to not write in. Because when I played magic, I played squirrels. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. that. I had a squirrel deck. My yeah. one deck that I kept and like, built up and like hunted for cards for and got tokens because squirrel tokens were like, hard to find. Yeah. I played squirrels. I was a squirrel yeah. player and draft. I would draft and have squirrels, and that was it. <laughs> so, like, I, like I, I was I've... always the mono green stompy. Like, I love the idea. Turn four, here's an eight eight trample. Good luck dealing with it. Oh yeah. wait, you've got one spell that can just shut it down. That's it, okay. I've got seven more just like that. <laughs> and one of the things I'm saying is, I don't. It's not that I don't play green decks. That's just not my preference, but. Sure. If you're trying to win, sometimes you have to play green because that's the best play. You know, if you're going to try to beat a blue deck, sometimes you have to just go with creatures. It's just like, you know, having a mono white tribal style deck, you know, that's all one and two drops that you're just trying to outspeed everybody else. You know, yep. it's similar with X-Wing in that, you know, when you went with Swarm, that was kind of like, you know, it was what felt to me a lot like that red or white, you know, a, a red goblin deck, you know, because there's just so damn many of them on the table, you know, 
and they come up so fast and they get on like they're, they, they're they roll three the green they roll they roll three green dice you know a lot of times you know it's it's the red versus green and you're playing you know at the beginning you were playing three x-wing you know because you sure as hell weren't going to put y-wings on the table you know in the beginning of the game i um, tried well people tried i, I mean I thought the iron turret mechanic was kind of cool until you realize, like, oh, that one evade die really does kind of suck. Yeah, I mean, you know, it to me, I don't think I saw people playing Y wings until they were playing Rebel Convoy. Or know? yeah, or until TLT came out. Or or if they were playing a Rebel Swarm because you could fit, you know, five ships with, you know, when you're when you're dealing with it, you could do you could have, you know you could have five ships on the table and you had to have Y wings doing that, but everything was naked at that. You know, right. you know, you, there was nothing spectacular about the list other than you had three good firepower ships and two Y wings, <laughs> you know? Yep. And, and at the time, you know, but it, it all still fell into that, you know, that, how do you want to put it? Kind of like the, the colors, you know, in magic, you know, where if you want to control, you built, to control you know you built to bump and take away actions and you know of course when tlts came in it just kind of changed the game completely you know being able to actually yeah they were the cheapest platform that you could put them on yeah to get two damage across almost every time and and that's what i like that's why i refer to x-wing in that way because you had to own everything to be to be able to play anything properly that's true. Like, what did the Star Viper wasn't a Star Viper? It was the Auto Thrusters pack. Yep. They, yep. I, the more you think about this, FFG put two copies of Auto Thrusters in that box for that reason. Similarly, because that, like, just saying, you know, I, I, I love all my old friends from FFG, but that ship's evil, bro. Just like people bought um, uh, A wings and interceptors. Push for limit. Yep. Yep. Like, oh, you want to play soon to your fell? Well, best you give me some money for an A wing. Yep. Which yep. that that card costs fifteen ninety nine or whatever the cost of an A wing was back then. You yep. threw the A wing away, kept push the limit, and we're good to go. Oh, I never threw anything away. I just didn't play oh, them. But you know what I mean. Like, if yep. you, you went, if you, you wanted to, to call the, yourself you went to the back of the book. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, the Sean's old back of the book. Those models went to the back of the book. Yeah, uh, if you wanted to call yourself an Imperial player, though, you still had to buy Rebel ships. So that's why X-Wing wasn't a miniatures game. I think now X-Wing is closer to a miniatures game than it's ever been. And I feel like that keeps moving moving forwards and moving forwards. I really like the standard World Out cards and the fact that I do feel like I'm have it is a game piece now for my miniatures game uh, this yeah. is what i have this is what it does i don't need anything else it's all it's just this one thing and it's got its little reference card and it does its thing but uh, for x-wing i find that i'll i'll pick a, a faction first for i'll pick a ship i want to fly and then build stuff around it so like the um the republic list that i played i wanted to run siege of coruscant has got um two arcs that are only four points in it like two four point arc 170s i was like that's pretty uh, pretty fucking good i'll take those i don't care what they do it's irrelevant because i now have enough points left to put stuff around them so i was like you know what i'm just gonna build a 
a, a straight up punch you in the face list. So I was like, okay, what what other ship do I like in that vein? And it's like, okay, I'll put Anakin in his Y-Wing with some proton torpedoes. And all all his job is to do is go, look at me. I'm Anakin's got I'm an I-6. I've got a proton torpedo and three force. So I'm gonna target lock you and have a fully modded torpedo shot. And I can reload it and I can do this all day if you don't kill me. And I just fly him up the middle, target lock something, and make people kill him. Because why are they killing him? I'm just doing the scenario. And then I've got some, I think I've got two V-Wings, I think is the rest of the list. Um, and it's just that kind of thing. It's like, well, I've got the core of what I want, like the yes-no game. I want to play Ark. Do, do you want to play Ark? I want to say, yes. Then, the, you know, and that's how I, I kind of got there. For the Separatists, it um, it was, well, I want to try out some Siege of Coruscant stuff. So the Tri-Fighters have got their I-5 back because obviously we went on, the old ones went on the ban list because they had dial peaking. Yeah. So they rewrote oh. them for Siege of Coruscant and they have a different ability now. They have um, mini Soon-Tier Fell abilities. So if they're in the bullseye, um, you get a Calculate token. Oh, so, very nice. Yeah. Um, so I, I was I want to take two of those. And then like General Grievous is pretty fucking good. I'll take him. So in the same way, I've got Anakin. I've got Grievous without Maneuver because it... He just flies around being annoying because you either have to turn in and deal with him or else he'll just kill, like, do damage every turn. And then I had the rogue class starfighter that I've had for ages and hadn't opened, so I should run one of those. So I opened that, and then I had three points left, and it's fuck all you can get, so I threw in a vulture, whatever. It's yeah, irrelevant, I don't care. But, you know, that's how I built that list. It's like I, I go through those lists of what what I want to do and what I think is cool. Like, the one thing I think is cool, and I build around that for the Orcs, yeah. I think the Beast Boss and Squiggy Saw was cool. So it's a Beast Boss, so then he needs some Beast Snaggers, then he needs some Squig Hog Boys. And then I really like the Runt Herd guy, the crazy Squig Her. So I have to get <laughs> some Gretchen and, you know, that. then I've got an army and I'm done. It's easy. Well, for me, for X-Wing, it was, at the, at the time, it was what was available. Because you could find X-Wings and TIE Fighters all over the place because the core sets were floating around. So, of course, uh, being... And for me, it genuinely goes back... I'm not going to lie, it goes back to X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. I liked flighting TIE Fighters better than I did the X-Wings or anything else that was in there. I really, really preferred the the Defender. And so when the Defender came into the game, that was awesome. But I was definitely leaning more in the Imperial direction when I was playing that old video game. So I leaned more in the direction. And then, oh boy, I can get X, I can get TIE Fighters all over the place, with the exception of the actual pack to get... Um, how runner um but once you got her and like you that's the only card you need out of the out of that pack you can get tie fighters people were like practically giving away tie fighters running seven eight tie fighters in a list was just kind of the most natural thing in the world it was difficult for people to deal with at first it was difficult to fly which definitely taught me how to fly in x-wing but i loved i i just loved it like if i were to pick up a game right now like non-competitive like that would be the list i would default back to because i just loved flying that many tie fighters which is so much fun so that was more along the lines of that's what I thought was cool in X-Wing was seven TIE Fighters. Now, obviously, if anyone goes back from the history of the shows that we have done, they recognize that I definitely went more into the competitive meta. But I always seemed to lean more in the Imperial direction than anything else. I did do other factions. I did play other ones. But I always came home to Imperials because ultimately, in the end, that's the one that spoke to me the most all the way back to those old video games that I used to play. Yeah. Um... So, how much 
truck do you put in? I don't know why that that seems like a really weird saying, but I'm sure it is one, and I'm not just making stuff up. I mean, you know me; I could say anything and claim it's an idiom, and you guys just have to roll of it. But, right, um, exactly. I yeah. wouldn't know. <laughs> so, how much truck do you put into like going on the internet, finding a tournament list, and go? This is a good list. This is doing well. Like. If I, I were if I were playing Magic competitively, I would do that. Sure, and I absolutely did that in X Wing, and I absolutely, when it comes down to the lists that I run, even for the list that I play in 40k for fun, like I definitely know what the meta list is for Sisters, and I definitely play towards that direction. I definitely know what the meta list is for um, Necrons and Tyranids, and I definitely play in those directions. So it's kind of a mix of the both in the fact that i still get to play the rule of cool and what i enjoy playing but in addition you do want to try to make it a little bit competitive i try i I try not to get too hyper competitive anymore these days but there is still that itching burning desire in the back of my head that's always going to be there that wants to well if i'm playing the game i'd like to win the game and this is the best units that in this army that i could ultimately end um there are units that i take in my tyranid list that are not optimal i love gene stealers i think gene stealers are the coolest thing in the world they're not considered to be the most optimal units in the game i still feel them just because it still gives me that feel of not to mention the fact that some those gene sealers have been through a lot let me tell you over the last 15 years those gene sealers have killed a lot of things those are old grizzled veterans as far as i'm concerned i want to get them on the field even if they're not the most optimal just going to point out folks that ed's gene stealers all get eaten after the planet's dead because the Tyranids consume all of the biomass remaining on the in, planet, in, including in the other God. gene stealers. They do. And then the hive ship leaves and goes away and makes some more new, fresh gene stealers. So Ed's gene stealers <laughs> aren't, in fact, little veterans. They're little pups who just popped out. From the from the lore, yes. I'm talking the actual physical model. <laughs> but yes, you are correct. Lore-wise, that is an accurate statement. I'm talking the actual physical models. The four... I, the, it's one of the things I really, really like about Gene Stealer cults. It's like, yay, we won! Oh no, we won! They won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have no idea what they've signed on for. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Um, I'm just disappointed when they brought that army out. They didn't have limos. Just saying. So, so Ed, what compelled you to do Sisters? The lore, a hundred percent, the lore. So, I have always genuinely, truly struggled with finding good guy lore in 40k that spoke to me because all right as we've talked about in that other show that we do there aren't any really good guys in the for arguably potentially you could say that's how maybe because the greater good even though they may necessarily be mind wa- you know brain wiping and mind wa- my brainwashing all of well, their it's not the toe's fault that every time the human monkeys join up with them and swear fealty to the empire and they get all the cool equipment to fight the rebellions against the evil imperium and then embrace socialism that like that war lasts just long enough for all of the humans on the planet that declared for the toe empire to die and then the toe win and take the planet and then it's all peaceful and, and harmony and just the toe folk with the i mean that's just a coincidence that it's it keeps happening 
pure coincidence. But to more directly answer your question, so I, since I've always genuinely, truly struggled, especially with the 40k history where it is now so far removed from the emperor being on the throne and actually an active participant in the go comings and goings of the Imperium, if there is one faction in the game that can truly, genuinely say that they have the emperor's ear and they have the emperor's blessing, it is the sisters of battle. It is the, it is, they have basically demons of the emperor working for them in, in, in individuals like St. Celestine and others like her, like, Honestly, whatever they were, and we'll get to this in the lore. I can't wait to talk about this with you, Sean. Whenever it came down to ending the uprising of the Age of Apostasy, they took five members of the Sisters of the Battle, the leads of each of those, took them before the Emperor himself, and no one really knows what was said, but whenever they came back out, they were fiercely loyal to the Imperium. That's the ones that are like, all right, if I'm going to get one loyal, and there's kind of the whole weird, like, like, weird religious thing that kind of goes along with it because the emperor never really believed in religion he was a science and technology guy you know didn't wanted to dismiss so there is the the wanted to dismiss uh silly religious superstitions so that we didn't introduce chaos into the imperium there is something kind of ironic about someone that worships the emperor like a god and are seemingly getting the benefits of worshiping the emperor as a god and just like the gods of chaos boon um, their followers, the emperor is also booning them with powers of restoration that they shouldn't have. I don't know. It was just of all of the factions of in 40k, they were the coolest ones, in my opinion, um, from the imperial side. So again, rule of cool. Right. So as a, a slight return to the uh, the original question kind of thing, I can go through how I've been iterating. Obviously. Doing the Deploy with Garrison podcast with Zach Matthews and Alan, um, and where I'd be, we've got a Discord chat that we go through, and I was posting some um, five all first lists for the uh, the Republic, and um, so at the moment clones are really really weak, and like just they got nerfed in points and what nerfed in rules, so they're considered to be the weaker faction out of the five that are available. But I picked up a 501st box, it looked pretty cool, had all uh, nice models in it. And I've been going through making lists and, and kind of trying to figure it out and get to where it needs to be. And like, I'll get advice back from them, like, oh, well, you could drop this upgrade. I've been looking at taking the mortars for the phase three clone troopers and having some mortars. And they're like, well, if you drop this, you can free up points to do this, and that can get you um, basically the like the Gatling cannons and stuff like that to have roll more dice, basically. And I'm like, I get it. And I understand why they're better. But the way in my head this works, I think that this is a value. And I, I've gone through three or four iterations to get to this point. So, I, so I'll build a list and I'll sit and I'll look at it and I'll try and improve it. And like online squad building is amazing for this kind of thing. And I, I'm sure everyone does the same thing. Yeah. But I find that after two or three iterations, I ha I stop. I don't keep trying to tune it. And like the advice will keep coming of okay, now have you you've done this, and so now have you changed that? You'll get you'll unlock this thing. Like no, I can't. I cannot bring myself to change this list now until I've played it a few times, and then I because I want to put. But it's like see that. 
the, the should is a loaded word. So, because I, I, I said to Zach, uh, like, if my goal was to place as highly as possible in a tournament tomorrow, I would take your advice and do these things. But that's not my goal. My goal is to learn more about Legion and become a better Legion player and enjoy playing Legion. So I want to see it on the table myself and kind of do it. And then if I end up in a year's time playing the list that Zach told me I should have played, that's okay. Because I, I'm not in the game to do the best right now. Yeah, no, I get that. So to but, we, how many times did we talk about though in X-Wing where like it's it, it's not the list, it's the player. And it always intrigued me whenever lists would float to the top of the list of a meta where you'd have a ship or you'd have an upgrade. You're like, oh, wow, I don't understand why that's there. A lot of that is the player themselves, their fingerprint on that that particular list. Specifically in a game like 40K, for example, there may be units that other people find as suboptimal or upgrades that they find as suboptimal, but there is a reason why they put that in the list and there's a reason why it did so well because that player has practiced with them and knows that is the... It's always about having those tools in the toolbox. Like That's the reason why I put that here is if I encounter this situation, that's the sole purpose for having this unit in the, in the game or that particular upgrade in the game is to answer some of those. So while I agree to a point in that the people are going to go online they're going to build a list but just because you build a list it doesn't necessarily feel like you it doesn't meet your play style that's one of the problems i bumped into x-wing all the time is there's a certain way that i wanted to play the game and the meta lists didn't match my play style so even though i had what is considered to be one of the best you know lists in the game it wasn't the way that I played the game, so I didn't pilot it the way that it should. Very similar with some of the lists that I run in 40K, there aren't the optimal lists because I, I don't play that way. So it doesn't fit my play style. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I do in Magic. When I build decks in Magic, so I play Arena. You know, I don't play competitively, but there is a competitive side to Arena. Sure, 100%. You know, because you're trying to win, you know, gold or experience, whatever. And how I do it. Dailies done. Got to get those dailies done, man. Yeah. Well, I don't really work the dailies. I just do the, I do parts of it, but not the whole thing. But for me, like when I build a deck, I'll see cards that I'm playing against and I'll like the cards. So then I'll start a deck and then I'll put a theme together for that deck. You know, like, um, I don't know. I, I'd have to load or bring up um, arena to do it, but over time, as you either see other things or you go through more cards, you that that deck, you know, it's an evolution. It's just like list building to me in X-Wing, everything was an evolution, you know. You may start out with something that you think is really good to play, and then by the final iteration of it, before you go to the tournament, you might have 30% of your original list. Yeah. Because you find that there's better interactions for whatever that meta or just how you want to play the list, you know. And now there are some things that, you know, Soontir Phil always had to have push the limit, right? Always. You know, stay so, put it to the card. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, that's where Chris was talking about, you know, you had to buy A-Wings to be able to play Soontir Phil. You know, it's great marketing strategy. You had to buy... You know, to be able to play um, 
you know, Fat Han, you had to buy spend a hundred bucks and buy the the Tantive. One card. One for one card. card. Yeah. Oh, oh, you you want you were to run uh, Palp in any iteration of uh, like Palp Aces? Oh, you had to buy a hundred dollar ship to get one card. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's you know, but the thing is, is that that iteration you know, or your iterations to get to that point where you're playing that final list or the final deck or whatever, Chris is right. You know, it's, you know, you, you don't know until you actually play it, you know, the theory of it, you know, what I, what we used to always call the theory crafting, you know, in X-Wing was very rarely the same thing that ended up on the table. You know, you could throw all the numbers in, you could, you could, you know, you could major jugular to death, but until you put it on the table, that's when it really matters. And then, of course, it depends on who's flying it, who's playing it. You know, to me, right now, I am so enthused about Lehman Rust tanks. Hard as hell to find, but that's what I want to play right now. I want to put, you know, as many, I, I want to put six on the table. That That's what I want to do, you know. I mean, oodles and oodles of guys. Yeah. I, I have some lists for you, Sean. We can talk. We can talk. <laughs> well, I'm not, you know, I'm not playing competitively here. So no, no, I'm I just, know. But I'm just neither am I. Against, I'm just playing against my son, you know. And well, so I'll be using power level for your lists anyway, so don't worry about it. It's all good. <laughs> well, I, I can get you there. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the cool thing is that I see that I think right now in my head. And all the videos I've watched and everything else without ever putting a Lehman Rust tank together, having six of the, five of those bad boys and a tank commander on the table is like incredible. You know, it'd be hard to stop because for the for the points and everything else, they're, you know, in my opinion, doing the math on everything, they're like the best bang for the buck. Of course, my son plays Thousand Sons. And I don't know how the hell that's going to go against all of the, you know. Um, So the problem is he just does mortal wounds and it wrecks you face, to be honest. Exactly. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You know, that's where hopefully all the Cadian shock troops and all these other things, I can blow him up without even having to look at him from, you know, three tables away. Because, you know, some of the shit you can fire across the room at things, you know. But, you know, that's the thing. I'm theory crafting right now, and until I get it on the table, I may not like it, and I may have six Lehman Rust tanks sitting there and never played again. You know? It's just, you know, that's that's the thing about it, is you just don't know until you actually put it on the table. Tanks are fun to paint, too. I will give you that. That it, Of the things I do enjoy painting, I like painting tanks. I hate it so much. Really? Yeah, I, large flat areas just bore me. Well, so agreed. Large flat areas bother you in le- if you're brush painting. I agree. That's why I always tend to do the old spray primary color and then brush paint over. You're right, though. You're always going to show brush strokes no matter what, unless yeah. you thin your paints correctly, and then you have to do it in multiple coats and yada, yada, yada. You could airbrush so I, it, though. Yeah, that's what, legitimately that's where airbrushing would come in the most handy. Yeah, I'm just going to cut temple, you know, cut the um, the camouflage will be cut out of cardboard and you just put it down and airbrush it on. 
Oh, you haven't lived yet, Sean. You haven't lived until you've done the tactical marine arrow on the top of a rhino door, and you had to actually sit down and measure it, and you got a ruler down, and you're trying to paint your straightest lines, and then you give up, and you're like, I'm going to painter's tape this, and then the painter's tape bleeds over. Oh, cool. uh, you, haven't, you haven't lived until you've done those. Like, like I said, it's going to look like, you know, a first grader finger painting by the time I'm done, <laughs> you know. Blue painter, the, the blue tack stuff. If you're going to do camo, I have heard good things about, oh, I want to keep all this area black or all this area brown. I'm just going to put that blue tack stuff down and just stick it down and then spray paint and then do the airbrush over it and then peel the blue tack off. Yeah, I could see that because you could just, you know, make that basically any shape that you want it to be. Exactly. And it can be those weird irregular blob like shapes that you would see in camo. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else to add to tonight's 35 minute topic? No, I think that, like I said, for me, it's, it's been two things, rule of cool, what I thought were really, really, really cool, or in some instances, rule of meta. What's, what's good for the meta and it kind of fits in with what my play style is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, to start off collecting an army, it definitely has always been, is this cool? Right. And then, I don't think there's been many instances of just building the... I mean, I can tell you probably I did an Empire Army where I purely built the cheesiest, most winning army I could because I got tired of people taking like competitive netlists to the local club night and stomping on people and ruining their fun. So I made a get-fucked army. So I okay, right. If you're gonna bring that, I'm gonna bring this and we'll see what happens. Right. <laughs> and I it was just the it wasn't an army I did for me. It was an army I did as a service to the community. But I <laughs> even when I was doing like so army wise, probably the, the Warhammer's the game I probably took the most competitively. I fielded, um, let me go through like, my tournament armies. So I used to play like Tomb Kings when they were weak. Yeah, like, I'm a moron, basically. That's what it comes down to. I want to prove that I'm the best. And to prove that I'm the best, I have to take the shittest list and then beat you with it. Because if I beat you with a best list, it wasn't really me, was it? But if I win with a shit list, it was definitely so, me. Then it's all me. <laughs> so that did factor into it when I was doing that kind of stuff. So like playing Tomb Kings, I took, I, I hyper-optimized my Tomb Kings list, but it was never, but I was like a perennial, like top four player with it, never winning the tournaments. Um, Wood Elves, I did the same thing when the Wood Elf book was really, really weak. I took that to a throne of skulls and was trying to like playing that out. Um, I won best best arc and goblin general and playing pure goblin army with not maximizing my fanatics and like taking a suboptimal goblin list and I, I was the only player to beat the overall winner and then i hit two techlises in a row and just lost because that's an auto lose against high like goblins against seventh edition high elves and when they are oh, eighth edition are high elves when they have always strike first you goblins gain fear elves so the elves get to cause fear for free they don't pay any points for it 
and Techwist gets to pick his spells after he's seen Miami. And it was just like, yeah, okay, cool, next. And then I hit Techwist again, and it was done. That was my tournament <laughs> over. Um, fun, fun times. Uh, but yeah, I think if I'd have won one of those Techwist games, I would have won the event. But again, perennial, like, fourth place because I take a shit army and then can't do anything about me. It was like hard matchups. Um, but uh, even when I was doing that, it had to be... It, yeah, it wasn't a, a taking the best list. It was taking the worst list and trying to make it good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the stupidest thing I've... I mean, I did an Elysian Drop Troop Army after... So Games Workshop used to run a mini con in Glasgow in Scotland for like two or three years of conflict. Um, and they had previews of the Elysians there. And I just fell in love with the models immediately. So I bought everything they had available there, which wasn't a lot, and I had to wait till the end of the show. Um, and it was like some of the special weapon squads. And I mail ordered like a bunch of other stuff. And the, the book, like the Taros campaign book that had their list in, didn't exist yet. So I just bought models blind with no book because I just fell in love with them. I recently have been looking at all of the um, like the, the websites trying to hunt down because I would, once a new guard book came out, I would drop money on Elysian Army right now. Yeah. Just for that nostalgia. But they are the rocking horse shit. You just, they <laughs> don't exist. So, big sad. And well, that's a lie. I found some on a recasting website, but I'm not paying $65 a squad, a 10 man squad, yeah. for $65 for recast models plus shipping. Well, I was going to say, because those are, all, are those all still Forge, Forge World only? They're not, they don't exist. Forge World don't do them anymore. Oh, if Forge World did them, I would pay Forge World prices for full army right now. And how much would those be at ten dollars or ten man squads? Because those were pretty probably expensive. around the same. I mean, I what it's not that the sixty five dollars for ten men. It's uh, it's sixty five dollars for ten men when I know that you've recast them. Don't you have a three D printer? I'm just throwing that out there. There are. I mean, I don't, I don't, I was going to do the old, um, look Skywalker from the old, um, Thrawn trilogy of it, Juris Cup, but I think, again, it's a joke that doesn't land. Um, but yeah, they're <laughs> not quite Elysians. No, they're not quite. They're not, and, and that's the point. They have to be, I don't want an army that looks like Elysians. I want Elysian drop troops because yeah, I, I had them. I had the army. And then I moved to Canada and I didn't keep the army because I couldn't keep everything. So and that was well, the sac that was the sacrificial lamb. It was one of there were many many sacrificial lambs. Yeah. Um, I made lots of I I made lots of bad choices. I sold all my X wing. Yeah. And had to buy all my X wing again. Yeah. I sold my Elysians. I sold um, my high elf army that had uh, it wasn't done but i had all of the um ever queen and the ever queen handmaidens all in metals uh, like pristine condition i had um Elfarian the blind um 
all of the old high elf sculpts that which were gonna be a cool army and I'd bought like special bases to put them on. Um I sold all of that. I had a Bretonian army Sean. Um, that was I think I had a massive unit of Grail Knights uh, in the metals and all of that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Very, very I I kept like individual models for things for nostalgia, but yeah. Big sad. <laughs> it's a decade ago now. A decade. In April twenty third, I'll have lived in North America for a full decade. Oh wow. Yeah. That means we'll have known each other for nearly ten years. Oh my god. Yeah. That's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah, I started writing for Bell of Lost Souls in like the May, June of um twenty thirteen. And then we were on you were on the show shortly thereafter that. Yeah, something like that. Oh jeez. Yeah. Fun times. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it just flew right by, didn't it? Yep, yeah, hit the brakes. I, I wish that time would hit the brakes. Yep. I absolutely should do that. Alright, I think that's it, Sean. Okay. Well, um with that uh, being said, uh Ed, always good to have you on the show. Always good to be here. And Chris, I'm sure you have some closing comments for tonight. Yeah, uh, thanks everyone. Uh, we're planning on doing another show in two weeks, which will be my topic, and we're going to do a, a 2022 in review. So that'll be a little bit of, um, you know, Ed getting mushy, a New Year show, all of that. Uh, in between yeah. Christmas and New Year, it's always one of those shows. Every year. Um, but yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a pretty laid back one. We might try and keep it a little bit shorter so that people can enjoy the New Year's rather than having to listen to us. But yeah, basically going over like what games we've been playing. I'll probably go over like the changes from Dice Hate and all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's the plan for the next show. I wanted to say thank you again to all the patrons, all the people who moved over to the Dice Hate Patreon when we shut down the Lack of Focus Patreon. Um, I really appreciate everyone's continued support. That was really good. We did donate the money for um, the Deploy with Garrison points game that we did. Uh, so that went to uh, Alan One, and we donated it to a local charity to him. That was, um, I think I just rounded it up to $40 even, like 40 US dollars, because um, I think the patron was like 50-something Canadian. I was like, I, I'm not going to give him a weird amount. And it was, we had the back and forth of if I would be able to donate Canadian money to a US charity. And I was like, you know what, I'll figure it out. Even if, even if I can't account for it, it'll just be a shareholder loan to myself or whatever. And um, I'll have donated the money. But um, yeah, so that was great. That's where the, uh, the, the Patreon money went this month. Um, I, I should remember the name of it now. I'm going to have to find it. Um, Ah, oh, screw it. It was um I posted it on I know where it is. I know where I can find it. It won't take me that long at all. It's on the Patreon page. If you click on the last episode of Deploy with Garrison, which was episode three, it comes up and it was Deploy with Garrison Donation JPEG. There we go. Come on, open up. It was the HRDC. There you go. We we have the receipts. I can prove that it happened. So yeah, the, um, I whenever it's half, when, so context. Whenever we do one of those donations, I always um, screen capture a receipt, 
post it on the um as a jpeg file on the patreon episode so there's always like records that the patrons can see where the money went to not just making shit up you know yeah no that makes sense um but yeah that's that's been great so if you would like to join the patreon so your money can go towards those good causes as well you can find it at patreon.com slash dice hate and slash slash dice yeah and you should join the discord because that's been fun recently we've had some uh some back and forths on there some interesting topics um Everyone got to see the uh, podcast timestamps because we put it in the wrong place and then I had to hide it again. Um, I I think I caught it pretty quickly, so I don't think we bored anyone with pictures of Lehman Russes from Sean. Um, I I posted my epic ship 2.5 points values under X-Wing Talk, so if you want to see them, they are there. I posted pictures of everyone playing X-Wing with epic ships on the table, so that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, it was, it was pictures of me running my imperial, uh, my re- republic, not imperials yet. Um, but yeah, it's been good. I'm enjoying Discord, and um, um, I think that's it really. If you've got anything, you should you can email us, check out a website, there's a contact me section on the. But yeah, the best way to get in touch is just on Discord because I hang out on the, have my notifications on, and just check it whenever it beeps. So great. All right. Well, that'll be all for this week. And to all the people out there, uh, have a happy holiday. And uh, hopefully, uh, we'll uh, we'll you'll hear us before the new year potentially, um, or right after the new year. But uh, for everyone out there, have a safe holiday and uh, play casual. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, everyone. And I like the play casual. We should keep that. <laughs> play casual. What, are we going to have a play deck? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That solved it right there, the play deck. <laughs>